0: Well, good morning, Chili Bible. Hey, I just want to celebrate something here just a second. Um, I don't know how many of you know her, but Dottie Austin is here with us this morning for the first time in a while. And uh, uh, we have been praying for Dottie for months uh, after her surgery and... Um, in her, re- in her recovery from a, a variety of rheumatoid arthritis treatments and that kind of thing. And she made it here this morning, and sometimes we need to celebrate those kind of things. I um, want to celebrate something else with you. I, I told you a couple of weeks ago about an interview we were having with a uh, couple of guys uh, who would potentially be candidates for our pastor of uh, student and children's discipleship. Um, aka the youth pastor uh, and uh, those interviews went very well uh, one went in particular well and uh, we are rolling forward in that process uh, can't, don't have a lot of details I can share with everybody this morning but um, I would ask you first of all to pray uh, as that process continues uh, as we in- investigate and explore together Uh, if this is indeed the man that God has for us as a church. Uh, In addition to that, there is an opportunity uh, for us all to uh, respond to that reality that uh, we're going to be adding a staff person back onto the staff. Uh, At the moment, our finances are in good shape because we are spending less than we take in, which is great. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Right? However, if we hire someone, we will be spending more than we're taking in. Not good, right? And so, um, and that will begin almost immediately. Uh, on our, based on our current giving levels, we'll be in deficit almost immediately uh, because our giving is below what our budget is. So, that is an opportunity for all of us to respond to. Amen? And... Um, it's not much, really. Uh, it is, uh, I think, based on what I was able to look at, it's about $150 a week, okay? So, you know, if you think about how many people are in this room right now, it's about a $1 dollar or a dollar and a half a piece, <laughs> okay? That's not much money. Um, but it is enough that, that um, we would be in the red uh, weekly. Uh, if we do hire somebody. So, uh, so I'd, I encourage you to pray about that and think about how God might direct you and your family to respond to that need. And, um, and I, it's certainly not an insurmountable challenge. Uh, our, our God has the cattle on a thousand hills and, uh, and certainly he has distributed enough resources among his people in this place to meet that need. And so um, we want to go to prayer as we open the word and pray for these things and also give God praise for what he has done um, to this point. So let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, uh, we do thank you for all that you do for us. We thank you that we can come to you as we are, that no matter what we have done in this life to this point and all of us have done things of which we are not enormously proud. And of which, in fact, we, if they came to light, would be deeply ashamed. And yet, Father, you are the God of all grace, of all sufficient grace to cancel out every bit of sin we have ever done. And to bring us not just to peace with you, but to give us uh, forgiveness and a new life through faith in Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that. We thank you for your grace We thank you that you continue to watch over us and take care of us as you have with Dottie, who's here to worship with us this morning after a long road. Father, we praise you for that. We thank you for that. We thank you that you are guiding our search process and that you continue to do so. Father, we pray that you would uh, continue to guide that process to help us be sure we have the right person for that job. But also, Father, we pray for your provision that as we look to hiring someone uh, and what that would cost, that, that our, our ability to meet that responsibility would also be provided and that you would meet it through your people uh, in the way that you have already laid out. Uh, Father, we know your plans are from eternity past. And so, Father, we pray your plans will be enacted through us. And we ask, Father, also that as we open the word together, that you would make it clear to us what it means and that you would lead us through your Holy Spirit into a life of obedience to it. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name for all these things. Amen. Well, we're gonna be, it's uh, been a couple of weeks since I was with you. Uh, we're going to be back in John chapter 8 today. Uh, as you make your way there, let me share with you a quick story. I remember back, this is several years ago, uh, when Facebook was a brand new thing. Do you all remember that? Back when it was fun? Uh, to be on, uh, and it was a wonder to behold Facebook you know all of a sudden, you could and I did reconnect with hundreds of people uh, that had you know over the years just dropped out of your life uh, for a variety of reasons you know we i 've lived in four states, and uh, in in the move between all those places you you uh, you lose track of people and I could we could catch up with old friends we could tell old stories uh, with people back you know who were present back when they happened you know and knew what the truth was and um, and and it was fun to reconnect with old friends and you know Facebook has changed a lot since then you know now it seems to be more of a channel for selling things to you um, because you are the product Uh, that they are selling most of all, right? But I remember one conversation that I had in these early days, and it was with a guy I went to high school with. We were in band together, and uh, he began to tell the story of what had happened in his life since then. And it was the story he was telling me was a coming out story. And after I got over the shock of what he began to tell me, I I thought to myself, well, this is a gospel opportunity. This This is a guy who has given his life over to something which is not ultimately going to satisfy the desires of his heart. And I began to just share with him and talk to him, and I said, I used his name, you know, I know that you feel right now And you've told me you've never felt more free in your life than what you're doing right now. But in reality, that's not going to bring you joy. And in fact, at the end of your life, you're going to feel enslaved to all of this. And he said, well, you're right. I've never felt more free and I've never been enslaved to anyone or anything. And we began to talk some more And he said, you know, the next time you're in Indy, this is a guy I grew up with. The next time you're in Indy, we should get together and have dinner. I said, well, I would love that. I'd love to talk to you, you know, and catch up and, and that kind of thing. he goes, and I'd be happy to do that too, as long as you don't bring this issue up ever again. And he's still my Facebook friend. And we still talk sometimes. But so far, many years later now, I've not been able to share with him any more about the gospel. And so if you think of it, you might pray for him. I don't want to use his name. I don't know if he listens to the podcast or not. Probably not. But I haven't been able to talk with him anymore in depth about the gospel. And that's really not to criticize him, uh, certainly not to exalt my, myself in all that, because I, I think I probably pushed him too hard on a door that really wasn't open. But it is to say this that it illustrates what Jesus is talking about in this passage that we're going to look at. That there is a way. To live in the truth, and the truth will set you free. And there is a way of living in darkness, and it's not just that particular way, but any other way than following Jesus is living in the darkness, and it will enslave you. And Jesus is going to talk to these religious people, by the way. Religious people. So, in other words, It's not just people with sins that we think are really colorful. But religious people that can live enslaved to sin too. So let's look at the text. This is what Jesus says. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Now, it's been a couple of weeks since we were in John 8, so let's remember where we are in the story. It's about six months prior to Jesus' crucifixion. It's Jesus' very last Feast of Booths. The Feast of Booths is the very last feast on the fall calendar of, of uh, feasts that the Jews were to keep. This is the last one. This, is, uh, this would be in September of 32 AD. And Jesus has not been in Jerusalem prior to this for about six months. Because the last time he was in Jerusalem, uh, the people there uh, had a giant controversy that erupted around Jesus because of the fact that he had healed a man who had been crippled for 38 years. And he healed him on the Sabbath. And then he told the guy, take your mat and go home. And so having done that, having healed the guy on the Sabbath and having told the man to carry his mat on the Sabbath, they felt that Jesus was both someone who had violated the law himself and who had encouraged other people to do the same. And so these Jewish people have, on Jesus' rearrival in Jerusalem been looking for a way to trip him up and to discredit him. And so there's been a a whole series of controversies that we've followed through. We've seen several of them in John chapter 8 so far, including the one involving the woman caught in adultery. And all these things are a response to Jesus saying, Well, wait a minute. What you're saying doesn't agree with what we think, the Bible says and what it requires and teaches. And Jesus is continuing to respond. But as he's done that, there have been some who have said they believe in him. And so Jesus turns now and addresses them. And that's what the text says, verse 31. Jesus is going to speak to those who believed in him. And what he says, notice it's a conditional statement. The results, in other words, are only received if you meet the condition. In other words, it's just like math. I know some of this. You know, I, I, have, a, I have a, I have a history major's uh, grasp on math. Okay, so <laughs> so bear with me. All right, but a conditional statement is if this is true, then this is true. Okay. And so in other words, if this, if you do this, then this will be the result, right? Some of you all who are younger, um, let me just get it down maybe to a more, more clear level, all right? Um, when you're at your house and your mom says, if you do not clean your room, you will be grounded from the television, right? There's an if and then there's a then, Right? If you do not meet this condition, then this will be the result. If you do meet this condition, then this will be the result. Right? Um, and so that's Jesus, that's Jesus' statement. What's the condition? If you abide in my word. What does it mean to abide in Jesus' word? The word translated abide there could mean, uh, you could translate it also remain or abide. Hold on to, or, you know, if you want to be a little more paraphrastic, to live in my word. The point that Jesus is making is this lots of people make claims to follow Jesus. Amen? Lots of people have claimed throughout history to follow Jesus and to believe in him, and some of those claims turn out to be false. Some people's Belief in Jesus turns out to not be based in very much and turns out to be fickle. And so when Jesus' teaching doesn't align with what they want, they tap out. Just like multitudes of people did in John chapter 6, remember? Jesus had just fed the 5,000, and they come to him, and they're like, You're the Messiah. We want to follow you. And he gives them some teaching about himself, and they go, Remember? This is hard teaching. Who can put up with this? And they leave en masse, and they don't want to follow Jesus anymore. Did they believe in Jesus? Well, they thought they did. Until Jesus said something that they didn't like. Speaking of Facebook, I saw something this week, a little cartoon somebody had, and they're at the Christian, this is a guy at the Christian bookstore, right? They still have those, by the way. I think they do in some places. But anyway, this guy's at the Christian bookstore, and he goes up to the counter, and he says, I'd like a version of the Bible that tells me I get to live however I want. Right? That's the most popular version. If they would sell that one, I mean it would be it would be a hot seller, right? It'd be also a lot thinner. <laughs> right? But these people, Jesus is trying to draw these people out. You say you believe in me. Well, let me tell you what believe in me really means. It means you're gonna to have to abide by in my word you want to abide in my word that's the condition of jesus promise if you abide in my word if you remain in my word in other words if you continue to believe and continue to obey my teaching if my word permeates your life and how you live and think and speak and act that's the if and what's the then there's three things if you meet the condition, there are three things, three results. First, you are truly my disciples. To put it bluntly, Jesus only recognizes as real the faith that lasts. The faith that lasts. Not the faith that fizzles out at the first sign of opposition of any kind. If your faith in Jesus doesn't last, it isn't faith. Amen? Amen. If your faith in Jesus doesn't last, it isn't faith. You weren't really one of His disciples. That's what Jesus is saying. That's looking at it negatively. On the flip side, to look at it positively if you have enduring faith in Jesus such that you are continuing to believe and obey Jesus' teaching despite opposition, then two additional things will result. Number one, you will, look at the text, you will know the truth. You will know the truth. Meaning you will come to understand life from God's perspective. You will recognize God's truth as being true. You will see, what is truly valuable and what is truly right and what is truly good and you will have the foundation for your life that is really life and you'll be able to build on it something that lasts for eternity because you will know the truth. Now men and women, boys and girls, let me tell you something. You know why God puts us in church? One of the reasons is this. The world out there outside of this place, outside of where God's people are gathered, is insane. It is literally insane. In fact, if you want to know how to do God's will and take away your Bible, just do this, okay? Watch any of the mainstream news channels, pick up the newspaper, whatever it is that they recommend as the way of, of living the good life, do the opposite and you'll be fine. Okay, Our world is insane. And it lives by falsehood. It lives and values things that are not good, things that are not right, things that are not true. And it exalts them all. And says, this is the way of the good life. Jesus says, if you abide in my teaching. You'll know the truth. You'll know what the good life is. You'll know the good way of living. You will understand what is true. The scales will fall away from your eyes, and much that you thought was good and right and appropriate and important in your life will fall away with them. Any of y'all had that experience? Where you were going 100 miles an hour with your hair on fire, one direction in life, and then you met Jesus, and all of a sudden, your life took a radical turn. Mine did. All these things that I was living life for up to then, all of a sudden, I was like, that is dumb. That is crazy. Life can't be like that anymore. And all of a sudden, I began to see life from God's perspective. Not because I was so smart, and certainly not because I was so good, amen? But because God had imparted his word to me, and I all of a sudden knew the truth. I knew what the truth was. And finally, Jesus says, when you know the truth, the truth will do what? it will set you free. Free from what? Free from guilt and shame and the penalty and the life-dominating power that sin exercises over your life. In fact, later on, he's going to talk about how some of these people, the reason that they are blind is because of demonic influence in their life. But when you come to follow Jesus, even that will fall away. Even the demons cannot withstand the power of Jesus operating in your life. Jesus says that all of these things will fall away if you abide in His Word. Lots of people, lots of people think that their sin equals freedom. That's why they do it, right? Is that they think that this is what freedom looks like, right? So they're going to head out on the highway. They're going to fire all their guns at once, right? Like a true nature's child, they were born... Born to be wild, right? And they think, and we love that song, right? We do. We like, ooh yeah, man, rebellion. That's where it's at. Ah, you know. I mean, Harley Davidson sells millions of dollars worth of motorcycles every year on rebellion, right? That's the whole thing. Everybody wants. I mean, that's what rock and roll is all about. We're gonna, we're gonna get freedom. We're gonna get joy. We're going to have the time of our lives. And Jesus says, no. The truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. And it will set you free from all of the slavery to sin and its life-dominating power over you. It will even set you free from demonic power over you if that's what is holding you down. And you will become a child of God and enjoy life. And there isn't, by the way, anything better than that. If there is and you found it, I want you to tell me about it because I'm telling you there isn't anything better to find. Isn't anything better than this? But the part of the problem with sin is that it blinds you to reality and that's these people's problem. It blinds you to reality. And they they do not see what their true condition is. And Jesus is not talking to the religious leaders. He's talking to people who say they believe in Him. But they're still spiritually blind because they aren't really His disciples. And so they say to Him, well, we're children of Abraham and we've never been slaves to anyone. Is that true? Well, not exactly. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right? not exactly. The Jews been enslaved? Yeah. In Egypt, right? Uh, how about after that? Well, let's see that first there was the Assyrians, enslaved a whole bunch of them in the northern kingdom. Then there was the Babylonians, enslaved the southern kingdom, carried them off. And then it and then was the Medo-Persian Empire that came in and dominated that. And then after that, it was the Greeks, and then it was the Syrians, and now it's the Romans. And maybe they don't carry the title of slave, but they're not exactly free either. So is this true? No. And then on top of that, the bigger issue is this. Look at what they're relying on. They say, Well, we're the children of Abraham. In other words, Jesus, you know, I know that it might not be true in the physical sense that, you know, we've never been slaves to anyone. But I mean, we are still the chosen people. We're the ones who've got the inside track with God. Why do you think we need to be set free? I mean, after all, we are the people of God. And maybe there's somebody here who's thinking the same thing. Well, Pastor, don't you understand? I mean, everybody in my family is a Christian. I mean, we've been Christians like back generations, as far as we can trace. I mean, you know, some of my, some of my earliest ancestors were French Huguenots that escaped from persecution in, in, in France and came over here, and we've been Christians ever since. Don't you know? I mean, we're the people that God chose. We're the sons of God's kingdom. Don't you know that? Look what Jesus' answer is. Jesus answered them. Verse 34. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you're offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you've heard from your father. Well, what kind of slavery is Jesus talking about? He's not talking about political slavery. He's not talking about economic oppression. In fact, at every opportunity in Jesus' ministry... He resists people's attempts to make him a merely earthly king, a mere political leader. What Jesus has in mind is slavery to sin, to the captivity and the oppression that is both the cause and the result of rebellion against God. And so in verse 35 and 36, Jesus talks about the status of slaves. And these verses are like a short little parable that he tells. In a grand estate, the son who owns everything always remains with his house. Always. In ancient days, you know, you did not do what we do nowadays. You know, nowadays, you... you you know, you grow up in your parents' house, and then you leave, and you go, hopefully, you know, get a job where you're able to support yourself, and you get your own house, right? And that's not what people did back then. That's not what they did. What they did was, if you, if you grew up, when you grew up in your father's house, uh, they would add on to the house a chamber, and then, and then as the family grew and you got more prosperous, you would add on to the house and so forth. And eventually you would have uh, all these rooms around a central courtyard. And, and you had this space in the middle where you would eat together and fellowship together and be together. But then you also had your private space, which makes sense of Jesus' statement later when he says, In my Father's house are many rooms, right? many chambers. Just like that, in other words, that there's going to be a day when we will all be together with God and we will live in this house, and the great house of God. There are many little sections that we will all have our own little spot, but also a communal area where we all gather and celebrate and enjoy fellowship with one another and worship God. Well, Jesus is saying, well, look, in the great house, as you grow up, you, if you're the son of You stay with the house. You didn't move. But if you were a slave, did you have permanent status? No. Slaves came and went. Sometimes they'd be sold. Sometimes they'd be given away. Sometimes a, a daughter, growing up in that kind of an environment, a daughter would be given a slave to attend to her as she moved off and married into another family. And if if you were a slave, you didn't have permanent residency in the house. You were just someone who was there to meet the deeds of the people who did live there. But the son of the master, the heir to whom all things belong, has full authority given to him. And he has the power to liberate slaves. Because he is the heir. Because he owns all the things in the house. And who is the son in Jesus' little parable, by the way? It's him. It's him. Who are the people who were slaves to sin? Everybody who doesn't believe in him. And he says, when you come to me, I have the ability to set you free. And then you, to fill this in a little bit more... You become one of the adopted sons of the Father. And you get to live in the house forever. Because you are part of what? The family. You're not an outsider. You're part of the family. And he says, I know that you are children of Abraham." But it's not enough to be simply his offspring, his descendant, to have him as your ancestor. You have to have my words find a place in you. He says, Because I speak of what I have seen with my father, who's Jesus' father? God. And you do what you've heard from your father. Uh-oh. Jesus is going to make it clear next week who their father is. We're not going to get into that today. But I'll just tell you, their father is not Abraham, Jesus says. It's Satan. Because anyone who rejects Christ, the choices are follow Jesus and have God as your father. Or follow your own way and have a slave master, Satan, become your father and have him rule over you. Those are the choices. In the meantime, though, before we we won't get there this week, this passage confronts us with the same truth uh, that we need to look at closely as it relates to our own souls. Here's the big issue. Here's the big issue that Jesus is making clear. Will you live in freedom as a follower of Jesus, or will you reject him and be a slave of sin and Satan?" Sin is so appealing, it is so appealing. There's a part of us, in fact, that that the Bible refers to as our sin nature that just resonates with sin that hums the same tune as sin. And when an opportunity to sin comes along, that part of us loves that, treasures that, enjoys that, takes pleasure in it. It has also within it such magnificent capacities for self-delusion that we don't even see that we're enslaved to it even as we're suffering under the consequences of it. It promises us freedom while enslaving us to death and judgment in the future and misery in the present. Amen? It does. I have never in my life met a happy, joy-filled sinner. I haven't. And I tell you what, you haven't either. And you know why? Because sin lies. It tells you that you're going to get all of this stuff All this blessing, all of this pleasure, all of this joy out of rebelling against God. And guess what? God has wired the world exactly opposite of that. And you cannot find joy in your sin because God has set the world up specifically so that you can't. And so sinners live like addicts. You know how you know you're an addict? You start living for the next thing. Like the next hit, the next fix from sin is going to deliver. It's going to deliver. I'm going to get joy then. When I get that bigger house, when I get that next job, I get that next girlfriend or that next boyfriend or when I have this much money or when I have this much sex or I have sex in this way instead of that way, well then that's going to deliver joy. When I stick this up my nose or this in my vein or I get this car or that motorcycle or this boat or this thing, I'm going to live independently and I'm going to suck all the joy out of life and it's going to deliver And they work hard to convince themselves that this is as good as life gets. And you only get one trip around the merry-go-round, so you've got to grab the brass ring on your way by. And against all this, Jesus says, that is a lie. All of that mess is a lie. Come follow me, and I will give you rest abide in my word and truly become my disciple and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free the great Soviet dissident Alexander Solzhenitsyn said this live not by lies live not by lies don't pretend to abide in Jesus teaching don't pretend. If you do that, you will remain a slave to sin. You will remain a slave to sin. Instead, come to Jesus. Embrace Him. Embrace His Word. Hold on to it. Remain in it by the Spirit's power and become Jesus Disciple, And when you do, you experience the glorious freedom of the Son of God as one of the sons of God. In whose house you have membership forever. If you've been living as a slave to sin in any way, and there are myriad ways to do that. There are as many ways to live as a slave to sin as there are people in the world. Can I implore you to seek out and to find the freedom of the children of God through faith in Jesus Christ? He died for your sins in your place as your substitute that you might be set free from sin Become a child of God and live in freedom and enjoy the new life that he promised. He rose from the dead to give you new life as a child of God. If you've never received that gift, will you receive it today? I would not encourage you to do that. I would beg you to do that. I would beg you to do that. Because it is the only way to find the life that is really life. And if you are his child already, I would beg you to hold fast to Jesus' teaching, to remain in it, to dwell in it, to live in it, to continue putting sin to death. Because you know what I I found out? You know, we've been reading the Old Testament, a bunch of us together. We finished Leviticus yesterday. Praise God. (laughs) All right? (laughs) All right. And they're on the wilderness wandering, right? We're about to get into Numbers. And, and they're going to hear the same refrain in Exodus and in Numbers. Oh, that we could go back to Egypt. Oh, that we could go back to slavery. There were great meat pots that we sat around and ate. It was great. You were slaves back then, right? Right? And it is possible, you know, we laugh about that because we, we go, who would go back to dragging rocks for the Egyptians building these cities and having someone beat you on the regular in exchange for following God even though it's in the wilderness? Who would do that? Guess what? We would. We would. Do You know how I know? Because we who have been set free from sin and and death and have membership in the family of God, just like they did, sometimes we get to a point in our Christian life where we go, oh, that I could go back to slavery in Egypt. Amen? I'm surely not the only one who has booked a ticket for Egypt as a believer in Jesus. Don't go back. Don't go back. If you're there now, you know what the answer is? Repentance and faith. That you repent of where you are and you admit what God already knows and say, Lord, I don't know what happened to me. Sin got hold of me and I went back to slavery. Forgive me. Forgive me. Help me to live in the glorious freedom of the children of God today and the next day and the day after. Enjoy the freedom that is already yours. You don't have to live in sin. You don't have to. You don't have to. You can instead live in freedom and joy. Amen? And that's my desire for me. It's my desire for each of you. And more importantly, that's God's desire for each of us that we might live in the freedom of the children of God, not enslaved, but set free from sin and death forever, not just in eternity, but now. Amen? So let's pray. God, Heavenly Father, we need your help. We need your help. We were raised in Egypt. We lived in slavery, some of us, for years or even decades of our lives. And though it is possible for you to take the child out of Egypt, it is hard for us to get Egypt out of our hearts. We are, some of us, um, not even believers yet. Father, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for anyone who wants to experience freedom from sin and death and instead become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And for those of us who are believers, Father, I pray you would close off the route in our heart that longs to return to slavery and instead help us by your Holy Spirit to live in freedom and joy and the life that is already ours. We have already received it Help us to live in it and experience that joy every single day as we walk with You. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.